the Adam Crowley Show. Love you, 970 ESPN. It's Adam just, Crowley, I think it is. He's a good guy. He really is. He's a good host. I enjoyed it, you know? And now we're talking about a weekly spot of the show. And I'm just telling Adam, I better be picked. Freebies are open. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Determine the draft order of picks 9 and 10, they flipped a coin. This coming just months after Gene Steratore used a folded up index card to see if a team had achieved a first down. We've progressed so far as a society as it relates to technology, yet a billion dollar industry can't find a better way to do things than a coin toss and a folded freaking index card. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. We're live at Carson City Saloon, the Bud Light Happy Hour from 6 until 7. You can hear from John Schuster, the skip of the gold medal Olympic curling team coming up at 6. The Penguins last night, my God, did they stink. They lost 8-4. to four and it never really felt that close. Penguins' opponents of late are doing their best little John impression. Shots, 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 everybody. I was going to sing it, then I was going to say it, and I kind of got caught in between there. The Penguins' backup goaltenders have been less than stellar. Casey DeSmith would probably like to have back two of the goals he gave up in the New Jersey game, and both goalies were awful against Boston. But the bigger concern to me is the amount of shots and scoring chances Pittsburgh's giving up. After giving up 30 against Florida, the Penguins have allowed 38 shots on goal against in each of the last two games. That is way too many. The Penguins need to clean up their management of the puck, and they need to improve upon their D-zone coverage. The Penguins are charted with 12 giveaways against the Devils, 14 against Boston, putrid. The Penguins were also terrible in their own zone when they made the Bruins look like the Harlem Globetrotters. Ian Cole's departure ain't the only reason why. The Penguins have reverted back to some of their early season ways, and you can blame the backup goalies if you want. Hell, we all did it with Niemi. But the bigger issue to me is that the Penguins need to get back to their structure. Right now, there's nothing to LMFAO about. That's not bad, right? That's not bad. Tom Kuhnhockel and Carter Rowney, anytime either of them kicks the puck into the net, I believe that goal should count. They're both bad enough offensively that they should allow the goal to count if you kick it in. That fourth line is a sieve right now. The only player who's playing well on the fourth line is Riley Shane, and he spent a lot of time on the left wing on the third line last night because Connor Sherry stinks. They all stunk last night, so it's probably not fair to single out anyone, but... That fourth line ain't going to score, and if you want the Penguins to be able to roll four lines, they're going to have to say goodbye to one of either Kuhnhockel or Carter Rowney, and my bet would be that it'll be Carter Rowney that's kept around because Carter Rowney can win faceoffs. Carter Rowney can flex in at center if need be, but they're not getting anything from those two offensively. My goal is to see Brian Rust at some point down on that fourth line. And maybe 
Just maybe Daniel Sprung up on the top line. The Penguins don't listen to me, though. Dominic Simone was called up from Wilkes-Barre Scranton. He is not Daniel Sprung. I'm not so sure why they're in love with him and not in love with Sprung, but he'll be up for the next game tomorrow against the Islanders. Zdeno Char is a bad man, but it's easier to be a tough guy when you're Goliath and everyone else is David. Everyone always talks about how tough Zdeno Char is, and last night he was a big, strong, tough guy whenever he got in the face of Patrick Hornquist after Patrick Hornquist took out Charlie McAvoy. But again, Zdeno Char doesn't have courage. Zdeno Char is six foot nine in a game played by dudes who are six feet tall. Zdeno Chara might look mean. That's because he's, again, six foot nine. He might look tough, but again, it's easy to be tough when you're six foot nine. You know who's tougher than Zdeno Chara? This might piss people off. Brad Marchand. That guy is a prick. He gets in the middle of everything. He's a little dude. He dives, he flops, he talks, he hits. It takes courage to be the little guy and running your mouth. It doesn't take any courage to be the big dude running your mouth. It was nice to see Jamie Alexiak get up in his face because, well, he might be the only guy in the league who's big enough to get up in Zidane Char's face. The Penguins did have an opportunity last night, I thought, to get out to, if not an early lead, at least keep pace with the Bruins. They just needed to get more pucks to Tuka Rask. Rask was every bit as bad as the Penguins goaltenders in the early going. The Penguins just did not throw enough pucks to the net. They had seven shots in the first period, and they scored on three of them. The final one from Riley Shehan, who, again, played a lot of left wing on the third line last night, was one you just can't let in. Can't happen. Hell, you can't let the Kessel goal in either. And in fact, the only modest shot was a knuckler. The Penguins could have been in that game. They could have had an opportunity to right the ship if they did pepper Tuka Rask with more pucks. I mentioned Zdeno Chara giving it to Patrick Hornquist. Patrick Hornquist was visibly upset about the way the game was going last night. He took out all his frustrations on the young phenom, Charlie McAvoy. Sorry, McAvoy, but that needed to happen. Now there's talk around the National Hockey League that Patrick Hornquist should have been suspended or fine. He was neither, and he shouldn't have been. McAvoy's a young player, and yeah, he's really damn good. But you can't be staring at the puck in your skates and not expect to get bowled over. That's what happened. Patrick Hornquist was pissed about the way that the start looked for the Penguins, thought he was going to take it out on someone, and McAvoy made himself the easy victim. Now, I'm not typically into victim blaming, but come on, McAvoy. you got to be smarter than that. So if you're a Bruins fan, don't be pissed at anyone other than McAvoy for putting himself in a position to get hurt. As for Patrick Hornquist, I love it. What's not to love? Another thing that underscores Hornquist's meaning to this club. Another thing that stunk last night was the Penn's penalty kill. They were one for four and killing off penalties against a Boston power play unit that had struggled coming into the game. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. One thing that did become very obvious to me yesterday during the game when I was on the Twitter.com was how stupid a lot of Penguins fans are. Because just the other day, 
on Friday, a week from today, Penguins fans were saying, we're going to win the Stanley Cup. Penguins fans were saying, you get Daniel Broussard and they're the cup favorite. Nobody's even going to come close. But now people are saying, after an 8-4 to loss, that guess what? The Penguins don't have a shot to win the cup because they lost Ian Cole, and Ian Cole would have made the difference in last night's game. You know what? You're right. The Penguins haven't won a game since Ian Cole's departure. They've been giving up goals left and right. It's all because Ian Cole's gone. That's not true. But just leave it to Penguins fans to think the team's going to win the Stanley Cup based on one acquisition. And then after the Penguins lose two games, cite the same acquisition for a reason that the Penguins are going to fail. I think Penguins fans are spoiled. I think Penguins fans don't know how to deal with adversity. And I can't blame them, I suppose, for that, given that the Penguins have been defending Stanley Cup champions for like 650-some-odd days. But you got to be smarter. Fans around the National Hockey League say that the Pittsburgh Penguins fan base only showed up after Sidney Crosby got here. And a lot of you Penguins fans are doing a pretty damn good job of proving them right by being dumb. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The other thing that I read on Twitter last night from a couple of respected people and a couple of dinky fans, like most of the people listening to the show, they said that Ryan Reeves would have changed the outcome of that game, or Ryan Reeves would have changed the feel of that game. Yeah, no, he wouldn't have. You think Zidane Char's afraid of anyone? No. Like I said before, he's a mountain of a man. He's scared of no one. Uh, no one at all. So, Patrick Hornquist taking a run at Charlie McAvoy, and Zidane Char responding to that run being taken on Charlie McAvoy, would have happened whether Reeves was there or not. And Reeves would have done exactly the same as Carter Rowney and Tom Kuhnhockel on that fourth line, and that's to say they'd have done nothing because he stinks. So that's not why the Penguins lost the game. The Penguins didn't lose the game because they didn't have him. They didn't lose the game because they didn't have Ian Cole. They're not a worse hockey team because they don't have those two guys. The other thing that's being tossed around is that the Penguins don't have enough grit. That's the buzzword, right? It's always the buzzword. Grit, 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 grit. I feel pretty confident that a couple of years ago, the Penguins should have dispelled the notion that grit needs to be on a hockey team. And I suppose it d depends on your definition of grit. But the Penguins are based on skill. The Penguins are based on speed. You need an element of grit, sure, but you don't need to have... A fourth line like the Islanders did a couple of years ago with Brock Nelson, who's going to break your head in half every time he takes the ice. You don't need that. You just don't. The Penguins have proved that they can win a cup with four scoring lines. Last year, they proved that they could win a cup with timely scoring. That's the most important aspect and element of this hockey team, and I think it's far more important than grit. And you can't tell me the Penguins don't have enough grit as is. I won't be convinced of it. Chris Letang provides enough on his own. Jamie Alexiak proved last night that he can add some of that if need be for the Penguins. 
Patrick Hornquist can do it. Zach Asteris, when he's up, can do it. Sidney Crosby goes to the front of the net. Sidney Crosby wins puck battles in the corner. The Penguins have a lot of players who play hard-nosed hockey. Brian Rust goes to the front of the net. Carl Haglin goes to the front of the net. Carl Haglin's one of the best four-checkers in the entire National Hockey League because he gets on you so fast. That's difficult to play against. Daniel Broussard is difficult to play against. Riley Sheehan is difficult to play against. Don't tell me the Penguins don't have enough grit. That's just grasping at straws after the Penguins have had the first rough patch in 2018. 4129 Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Joel Sherman, he writes for the New York Post. He tweeted out earlier today that he got talked to at 4.30 in the morning by somebody at the airport, a fan. And he says, quote, if I can't report it yet, I'm not sharing with a rude person I've never met raised by Wolverine. So, as example, if while I'm checking in at an airport at 440, you approach me with, hey, Joel, what's up with DeGrom? I'll be ignoring you. Just as, you know, a hypothetical. Hashtag carry on. Joel writes about baseball for a living, so he doesn't have time for you commenters. There's a lot of good people in this business. A lot of good people. Stan's a good guy. Dale Lally, one of my good friends in the business. Josh Yowie, Jason Mackey. The list goes on and on and on. But many people take themselves way too seriously. You're never going to find that on this show. I talk about sports. It's not that important. Carry on. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. How about this one from my alma mater? This is something that I've almost done before. A kid at Dub V blacked out and racked up a $1,635 Uber bill because he was at a West Virginia party and he took an Uber XL all the way back to his house in New Jersey. Now, that's got to be on the driver, I think, to not be that big of a jackass. As for the kid, how freaking homesick can you be? Imagine being him. Being in, let's say, the sports page in Morgantown, West Virginia, or Kegler's, or another great establishment, and then waking up the next day in New Jersey, not knowing how the bleep you got there, and then seeing you don't have $16,000 in your bank account. Nice. Two years ago at the West Virginia-Oklahoma game, I drank a bunch of moonshine with some southern West Virginia peeps. And the next thing I know, I'm leaving at halftime. That's it. That's the only thing I remember. I look up. It's about to be kickoff. There's snow. And then all of a sudden, I'm walking out of the stadium. And then the next thing you know, I'm getting woken up. Someone's knocking on my car window as I slept outside of the person whose house I was staying in after having taken an Uber all the way across down for over $100. So I've been almost there. I should have just had the dude drop me off at Pittsburgh. Coming up next, Brian Metzer. He'll give us all the info on what's going on with the Pens. He's coming up next. Sean Collier at 520. You're listening to The Crowley Show. He's a trigger warning waiting to happen. This is The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. (laughs) 
Penguins played terribly last night. They weren't great against New Jersey, and they, well, they didn't win against Florida. They've given up 38 shots in each of the last two games. They gave up 30 in Florida, although a lot of high-quality scoring chances. What the hell's wrong with them? Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network joins me now on the Crowley Show. Metz, what's up, buddy? Metz, I do not have you. Going once to Brian Metzer. Twice to Brian Metzer. No Brian Metzer. We'll get Brian back in a few moments. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Here's a note. Penn State basketball is playing Ohio State tonight in the Big Ten tournament. Starts at 630. I've been watching a lot of college basketball lately. And everyone's saying that... Penn State's not going to beat Ohio State because Penn State's already beat Ohio State twice, and it's, quote, hard to beat a team three times. I always think that's the dumbest analysis that I've ever heard. Uh, Was it too much for the Steelers to beat the Ravens three times in 2008? No. You know I was confident going into that game? Because the Steelers had beat the Ravens twice. They were better than the Ravens. Now, I think Ohio State's a better basketball team than is Penn State, But obviously Penn State does things that drive Ohio State crazy, and it's not like the games have been all that close. Ohio State, because they've lost two games, sure, might be hungry, and I guarantee you they wanted another crack at Penn State. But just because they've lost twice and Penn State's won twice doesn't mean that a different outcome needs to be expected this time. It's just lazy analysis. 4-1-2. 9222874. Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network joins us now. Hey Metz, how you doing, buddy? Should I do the Madden thing where I just throw a chair and then go, oh, well, we're gonna take a break? No, I'm not gonna do that. And Kellen is back in the studio. Losing his mind. He's on speakerphone. Joe's gonna take care of it. We'll get to Brian Metzer in a moment or two. Here's what's going on at iHeartMedia. We're about to file for bankruptcy. And I think it's trickled down to my radio show. I joke, I kid. We love Kellen. We love Tom. We love Joe. Now Joe's going to talk to Kellen about our broken technology. And Tom will continue to send me Snapchats from Indianapolis where he's not doing any work and walking around the combine like a dink. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The Penguins do have a backup goaltending problem. I mentioned that that to me is not the biggest issue, but right now both young goaltenders don't seem to have any confidence whatsoever. Tristan Jari's got pedigree. Casey DeSmith, not so much. Neither of them played well last night. In fact, Casey DeSmith gave up three goals on five shots, so he had a save percentage of 40%, which is, well, that's atrocious. Tristan Jari, at one point, a sequence late in the game, was flopping around five feet from the paint. The puck does not go in, and then the following shot goes in. It wasn't his fault at that point, but the initial shot should have gone in. They don't seem to have any confidence. They seem to be pressing. The Penguins' defense is leaving them out to dry. That much is for sure. But 
They've got to be better. I don't care if you've got Wayne Gretzky running in on five breakout or breakaway opportunities. You can't be giving up three goals in the first five shots. You do not give your chance. You do not give yourselves a chance to win if that's the case. And these Penguins, they can't be afforded to be doing that right now. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Have we figured out Brian Metzer? We've got Brian Metzer now. Hello, Mets. How are you? Hey, you know what? As I just said, I, I'm blaming the Russians. They're interfering with this, just like everything else, and I'm disappointed by it. I think it's iHeartMedia because they are uh, filing for bankruptcy, and I think it's trickled its way down to my radio show. Uh, <laughs> Mets, uh, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Uh, I wrote a piece on ESPNPGH.com, just award-winning, that stated the Penguins' problems are bigger than the backup goaltenders right now. Uh, and I think they are. We'll get into the backups. They have not played well, certainly. But to me, the biggest issue with Pittsburgh is their puck management. Now I'm right there with you. Uh, they've done a, a pretty bad job of managing the puck lately. And you can make a case that that goes back not even just since these three games since the trade was made, but even a few games before that. They were winning hockey games, but they were still giving up a lot of opportunities against. And a lot of that came off of transition plays after bad puck decisions in the neutral zone or even trying to break out. Because if you go back in their last 17 games, they've allowed over 30, I believe it's over 35 shots over that span nine times. So that's a lot of scoring opportunities against. You're asking your goaltenders to do a lot of heavy lifting. And now, especially with your number one guy being out of the mix, that's not a very good situation for a couple of youngsters to be in. It is absolutely not. And I think that if the... It kind of reminds me, and I mean, this is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but it kind of reminds me of when Marc-Andre Fleury was young, and you kind of hoped, oh, my God, it doesn't scar the poor young man that they're playing this poorly in front of him. Now, I think this team's going to turn it around, but uh, I would certainly hope that it does not wind up affecting the mental status of both Casey DeSmith and Tristan Jari, both of whom are probably going to be needed to make a Stanley Cup run. Well, at this point, it certainly looks that way, doesn't it, with Matt Murray being on the shelf again. And I know this is such a fluke thing, and that's, that's the only – this is going to be a quick transition, but the only thing I hate about us all calling him a little injury-prone at times is these things are fluke, like freaky things. He takes a puck off the head in practice and gets a, a concussion out of it, broke his hand in the World Cup last year. All these oddball things pop up for Matt Murray. So hopefully whoever has the voodoo doll for this kid puts it away so he can get back and help this team win because I think he's going to be needed to make a long, sustained playoff run. But you said it best there, Adam. You're going to have to rely on both Casey DeSmith and Tristan Jari to even win games now. Because for as tight as the Metropolitan Division is, Penguins aren't too far away from now falling into a wild-card position. I don't think they're in danger of missing the playoffs by any means. But, hey, anything's possible if you start to lose too many hockey games with as well as everybody else in the division is playing right now. Yeah, and you don't want to wind up on the other side of the bracket, I don't think. Now, I don't think you want to have to play uh, Tampa. I don't think you want to have to play Boston. I don't think you want to have to play the Maple Leafs. I think you'd rather stay in the Metro uh, in the playoff bracket. The Penguins are certainly capable of beating anyone, but uh, I think uh, the route would be much harder on that side. Brian Metzger joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, the fourth line uh, has been really non-existent uh, these last handful of games for the Penguins, Brian, uh, with the exception of Riley Shane, uh, what's something that can be done there? I mean, are, are they thinking about 
do you think putting other players in the lineup, who should play in the lineup? Because they're getting nothing from that bottom three. No, and the bad thing is, even before uh, the situation that we're in right now, where there's a little new-look lineup after the trade deadline being used, even prior to that, Mike Sullivan didn't seem to have a whole lot of faith in Carter Rowney in terms of giving him more minutes. He'd use him to kill penalties, but above and beyond shorthanded time, he was only getting probably at most five minutes a night. So if you can't trust him to play more than that, then maybe you got to look and see if there's somebody in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton to come up. But you also risk then not having the right-handed face-off man because that's a situation that keeps him in the lineup above and beyond even what we just talked about with the penalty kill. But right now, Mike Sullivan is clearly not comfortable rolling four lines. He tried to use the fourth line a little bit more than he had been last night, and they were victimized for some goals against so it's a, it's a interesting scenario. I know I talked with Paul Steigerwald last night as we were finishing up the Penguins postgame show on the Penguins radio network, and we speculated that maybe the individual that you acquired, Josh Joris, I know he's not been able to stick for an entire season with the National Hockey League team over the course of his career, but he's, he's played, you know, 40, 50, 60 games for clubs. I mean, those clubs were lesser than the Penguins, but he's known as a physical-type guy. He's a right-handed face-off man. He can play center or wing. Maybe it's worth giving him a look as a player that can come up and fill a role on that fourth line just to get some energy in because clearly what they're using right now is not doing it for the coach because he's just not giving them the minutes to even see if it's going to eventually work themselves out of it. Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network, joining me on the Crowley Show. Now it's obvious why they wanted Matt Cullen back if he was going to be available because then Cullen could be that guy who takes face-offs. He could be on the penalty kill, and you trust him, I think, more than you trust Carter Rowney. Uh, no to doubt. Be sure. Uh, Brian Metzer, uh, Jamie Alexiak and Matt Hunwick, <sighs> I feel bad piling on, but they've not played well together uh, of late. And really, Matt Hunwick struggled all year long when he's been flexing the lineup. I think he's better on the left side, certainly, than he is on the right side. But do you think they f- try to leave him in the lineup to figure things out, or do they put Matt Hunwick, in, or pardon me, uh, Chad Ruedel in? to say uh, you need to take a seat for a few games? For me, I'd love to get Chad Ruedel a couple of games, and he hasn't played since December at this point. And he was a member of your you know, your Stanley Cup winning team just last year. He's playing meaningful minutes. So uh, I, I don't want to be that guy that piles on Matt Hunwick either. Because like you, I, I'm seeing this on social media, everywhere else. Every media outlet in the city is just tearing that poor guy to shreds. And as I've said numerous times, I hope he lives in some Ted Kaczynski-like shack in the woods so he doesn't have to read, <laughs> hear, or see any of it. Because if, if he is, he's probably fashioning a noose. So I, I just think that he's not near as bad as it's been made out to be. But at the same time, he's on the ice for an awful lot of goals against. Now, last night, he was on for a number of goals, but two of them were power play goals. So sure. you're forced to use him on the PK now because you don't have the in-coal anymore, and this is not one of those things that, you know, I'm not being the guy that says they should have kept the in-coal. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not in that camp per se. But I did say if you were going to trade him, you had to come up with a plan for your penalty kill, and clearly that's not Matt Hunwick. So does that mean you have to use Jamie Alexiak a little more, ride Brian Dumoulin, Oli Matta, and Chris Letang a little harder on the penalty kill because he's being exposed there. He's getting beat a little bit too much five-on-five, five. and I think really what it is with him is – he, he's not the, the most fleet of foot, even though he moves pretty well. He's also not the biggest guy, so he doesn't have a very long wingspan, and he's had a propensity for getting caught out of position. And once he does that, he just doesn't seem to have the foot speed to get himself back to where he needs to be. So is, is that 
Sergey Gonchar and Jacques Martin and company getting in his head and saying, look, simplify your game, really dumb it down, don't too, take too many chances so you don't get caught out of position as much as he has to this point, and maybe that will help him out. Uh, you know, just get the puck up ice, get it into the, onto the sticks of your forwards, then you don't really have to handle it too much. But it's really in the defensive zone that I've been very concerned because he looks like he's chasing around a little too much and he's not been able to accomplish a whole lot when he's on the ice. So he's got a, it's, it's spiraling out of control for him right now over these last two games specifically. They've got to find a way to reel that in. Yeah, and you know what stinks is that Hunwick was a guy that was relied upon last year in Toronto. Now, look, their defense court was nothing to write home about, but he played more minutes than anybody during their playoff run last year against the Washington Capitals, and he fared well. I, I agree. I mean, I, was, I thought last year was probably one of the better years of his career. He's been able to play a lot of NHL games. I mean, this is a player that clearly has done well enough to stick in the league all, all this time and, and earned a couple different contracts, you know, since his rookie year. I mean, he's been around close to double-digit years. It's like, come on, you, you need to find a way to get it going here with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You've got a lot of offensive talent around you. Just get the puck up ice, make smart decisions with uh, the puck when you are trying to break out of your zone, and I think he'll eventually settle down and be rewarded for that. But maybe it's time to just give him a night or two to look at it from up top get Chad Ruedel in the lineup, and maybe things fall into place for you. But I'm, I'm starting to feel like you really just need to um, ride your top four so that you don't have to rely on your bottom pairing all that much at all. Keep keep Latang, Dumoulin playing a lot. Keep uh, Schultz and, and Mata in whatever situation you want them to play in, playing a little bit more, so that then you can sort of protect whatever pairing Hunwick is going to be on when he's in the lineup, because I don't want him playing 15, 20 minutes a night right no. now just based on how things are going for him. And in the playoffs... Uh... We will see the Penguins rely more heavily on their top four uh, as you see things happen all the time around the National Hockey League. Brian Metzer joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Brian, the leadership in the room is obviously strong. Uh, last night, the Penguins were very accountable. Evgeny Malkin answered question after question after question, and at one point, Patrick Hornquist came out to try to relieve him. Evgeny Malkin said, that, nah, no, I got this. Uh, Evgeny Malkin also touched upon the fact that they're trying to outscore people, something that we hear Mike Sullivan say all the time. So I don't think that the team's tuning Mike out at all. I think that that would be skies falling type talk. They're repeating his message. I think they'll get his message. And I think that it's a good one in that when we're seeing the Penguins mismanage the puck, I think they're trying so hard to go the other way and they're not playing their structure. If they play their structure, their goals are going to come. They don't need to press to make it happen. No, I completely agree. I, it's funny. It's like the same conversation we're having year in and year out now because you go back to um, one point around this time of the schedule. It was probably a little earlier. I think it was around January last year. Mike Sullivan had a quote talking about you don't have to go out and try and out. You, you don't need to just focus on scoring goals because of what you just said. They know that the goals are going to come. Play a smart game. you got to focus on the defensive side of the puck and playing a full 200-foot hockey game, take advantage of mistakes, and the offense will will certainly come out of that. And right now, I think maybe they they were watching the pucks go in, you know, like crazy over that span from January 1st on. I mean, they were the highest-scoring team in the league, essentially. You have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin leading the league and scoring over that span. Everything's coming up roses. So it allowed maybe those wards to fly under the radar because they were scoring so much. They could let up a couple of opportunities the other way, including some goals the other way, and it never really stung them in the backside. Well, now you're seeing uh, teams starting to score because Matt Murray's out because we should mention he was playing outstanding hockey. 
over his last 10, 12 games. The and best really of the year, for sure. Yeah, and so that helped them. He was there to bail them out. And right now with the young players, and this is not a knock on those two young goaltenders, but it's not the same. You've got to change what you're doing just a little bit so you're not going to overexpose yourself. Now, one thing I will throw in, because you did mention that you don't think they've tuned out the coach. I don't think that either. I think they're still fully behind their head coach. I do think he's almost overthinking things a little bit too much with himself because he's jumbled up the Sidney Crosby line a ton. Yes. He watched him break up that third line that he had together ahead of the Derek Broussard trade. I know that he acquired Broussard to be the third-line center, but maybe for right now, until you get him integrated and get his feet wet a little bit, let him be your fourth-line center, which suddenly makes that fourth line viable because you have a player on it that you're not going to want to sit. You're going to play him, and maybe he can elevate whatever would be on his wings. Keep that third line intact with Kessel, Shane, and uh, Jake Gensel when you had that one going or whatever you would choose to do. That was gangbusters. They were scoring like crazy. And then you just do what you were doing with your top six, and I I think they would find a way to fall into position. But since the trades were made, he sort of jumbled up that entire lineup. So no one's playing with who they were having success with just a week ago, and I think that's all played into this as well. You think Phil Kessel's playing hurt? Because I do. He continuously misses... Uh, the optional practices, which is nothing to, I think, be all that scared about. But uh, we saw him hurt that shoulder a couple of nights ago. And I know he had a couple of points last night, but I am a little bit worried about Phil. He's got that long games played streak that I think might be keeping him in the lineup. Yeah, it's a, it's a worth considering for sure based on the way he left that game the other night and then he came the way back you in. Pa- and he- the way you pause there, Mets, is you're <laughs> thinking you're thinking Crowley, what the hell, man? You're just you're coming out of nowhere with this. I'm a little I just I'm a little bit weary that maybe he's a little dinged up. No, I you know what I I don't think you would be out of the question to consider that. I mean, Phil's been taking some licks lately. He's been playing a lot of minutes too. I mean, he's, he's Played a little different game this year as as a Phil Kessel. I think he's been a little more physical than we were, we've been used to seeing from him, and that takes its toll on you as well. And then when you start in some of the big hits he's taken and the time that he did have to leave, and we were all concerned that night. I mean, I know the fan base was certainly worried, even though he did come back. When we did the Saturday morning show, we were getting, you know, every tweet we received that morning was, give us a Phil Kessel update. Is he okay? And we sort of chuckled because, well, there really wasn't an update. He returned to the game and played. There's nothing that we can really add, but I, I do think there's something to that. And you're not going to get him a night off, that's for sure, because he doesn't want to lose that streak. But at the same time, don't you wish that wasn't in play? Because to get him one or two games off here at the end of the season, coming down the stretch, would really certainly help him rest his weary bones a bit and get him back to where he was just a couple of weeks ago, I think. Mets, will you get a chance to rest your weary bones and get an opportunity to go to some of those concerts uh, this summer that you want to go to? <laughs> You know what? I, I'm so worried because I have no way of really even knowing if my concert calendar is going to be affected because a lot of it falls in the playoffs. I even have Metallica tickets now that I got for October 18th of next season, and I have no way of knowing if that's affected by the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> so I am dying over here. You can tell the Pens, Mets, that if they need somebody. Now, of course, uh, if you want to look at the wins above replacement, mine will be far lower than yours. But if on October 18th you need me to sit in for you, I'd be more than happy to do it. Well, you know what? We'll have to dangle that carrot in front of the folks, uh, the Penguins brass, see if we can't get it together. And then we just swap out a Steeler game for a Penguins game. We'll just, like, cross the streams. It's all that. It's cross-training here at iHeartMedia slash Pittsburgh Penguins, Pittsburgh Steelers, make it all come together and coalesce as one gigantic radio network. What do you think? 
I love it, buddy. Hey, appreciate the time, man. Take care of yourself. You too, my friend. Thanks for having me. And uh, those pesky Russians, they couldn't stop us. We got it done. No, they could not, although I think it was iHeartMedia. Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network right here on the Crowley Show. Coming up next, did you know that there's 150 calories in two Girl Scout cookies? I just finished my diet. I'm pretty sure I gained it all back last night. And Brian LaMartina, our intrepid assistant program director, says that he can find Girl Scout cookies that aren't Girl Scout cookies, that are store brand, that are just as good. I think he's ludicrous. We'll discuss that and hockey next. It's the Crowley Show. This is the Adam Crowley Show. To pick against the Steelers is a sin. It's a sin that's written in the Bible. Don't you understand? On ESPN Pittsburgh <laughs> and the iHeartRadio app. I'm starting to have some PTSD. The last time we bumped into a segment with this song was when I was getting my chest waxed. In fact, there's still blood stained on the shirt from when I put it back on after getting waxed. But I'll try to move past it. Adam Crowley here at the Carson City Saloon. 6 o'clock until 7 is the Bud Light Happy Hour. We're going to be joined by John Schuster of the United States Olympic Curling Team, the gold medalist will be joining me at the top of the 6 o'clock hour. Sean Collier going to be joining me at 5.20. He of, well, he's always on the DVD Morning Show on Fridays. He of comedy fame and Pittsburgh Magazine. He is a film critic. Looking forward to that as the Oscars are this weekend. But right now, before we get back into why Penguins fans are stupid, I bring on my friend and colleague, Brian LaMartina. Brian, hello. Do we have you? I just want to check in first, make sure we're good. Do we have you on the air? I believe you do, Adam. I believe I've got you. And, you know, I suppose now I wish that I didn't. But <laughs> I ate two Samoas last night. Girl Scout cookies. Not Samoans. I ate two Samoas last night. And then I looked at the box. And it said there was 150 cal- calories for every two cookies. That's ridiculous. That is insane. They're a little bit bigger than a silver dollar, and you eat two of them. It's 150 calories. Of course, I ate half the damn box. Well, you can't stop. I looked at it. You can't stop. Those are the first of all. Those are the best Girl Scout cookies. The Samoas. Yeah, they're good stuff right there, man. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's close. Uh, we got Joe here on site finally. I missed my Joe. We got him back, even though hey, he's best Joe. friends now with Randy Bauman. But Joe's shaking his head over here. That smokes are the best. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's not even close. I like Thin Mints. I think you got to put them in the freezer first. Uh, they're really good if you do that. Tagalongs, eh. I'd overrated. Ra- oh, they are overrated. Overrated. I, See, I would I, rather- I'm a fan of the Tagalongs. It's the Oklahoma Sooner of Girl Scout cookies. It's the Trey Young? It is. <laughs> I would rather eat a Reese's Cup than... A tag along. Yeah. Oh, if come I on, that's chocolate- just crazy. That's just come crazy on. right there. Chocolate that's a good cookie, butter. man. It's an, I mean, it's a good cookie. It's, no, it's nowhere near the others. The and ratio a, is good. The peanut butter to the breading to the chocolate, it's a very good cookie. Actually, my top two, Samoas and Tagalongs, are my favorite. Well, I find it hard to binge uh, Tagalongs. Yes. It's they hard. make my throat sore. Yeah. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to crush those. Now, what about Thin Mints? You can pound Thin Mints. Are you Team Thin Mint? You can pound Thin Mints. That, That's like the Bud Light of uh, Girl Scout cookies. Now, you Joe. You can stack those up. You can't. I don't. I, so I. 
theorize that if you eat one Thin Mint, you have to eat the whole sleeve. Oh, you yes. got to keep going. Yeah, you there, keep there, going. There's no doubt. Now, the great thing about the... Empty the clip. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. That's... What that's is badass uh, right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'll leave that one alone. But th- with the Samoas, at least they give us the courtesy of not putting them, in a, putting them in a sleeve. So you can close the box on them afterwards. The sleeve, if you leave it open, then the cookies are going to fall out. So you feel you're kind of almost pressured into eating the whole thing. The Samoas, you don't have to eat an entire one of those plastic little bins. But even so, they're a buck fifty. Per effing cookie. That is insane, man. But you know what? Here's a funny thing, man. I, like, this time of the year, you always get hounded at different places. You know, you're walking into, I don't know, a Walmart, a CVS, whatever. There's always somebody ready to shake you down with a table and a box of cookies, and they're looking at you with the sweet little eyes, and you want to help the kids and everything. I mean, you really want to help them, but this stuff gets expensive, especially like when you're saying you go through Thin Mints as fast as you do. It starts to get crazy expensive, and, and I mean, personally, you put a lot of belly on during this time of the year. But Adam, I'm telling you, man, I found some cookies that are the exact, and when I say exact, I mean spitting image in in look, in taste, in everything, and they are about a dollar thirty five a piece. And here's the kicker, Adam. Here's the kicker for a box for a box an entire oh, box here's the kicker not, right that's here that's not what i need you love these uh you love these samoas right and it's what samoas yeah two cookies are what 100 you said 150 calories buck fitty i'll give you 3 calories or 3 cookies at 170 calories with these cookies that i found so good man they better taste the same though you want to know where they are where are they they are at your your local Audi groceries. They're by Benton's, I think is the company, uh, B-E-N-T-O-N. These things are like a little secret, man. They just, I'm telling you, you don't know what you're missing here. And you're gaining cal- calories on it. You're, you're actually eating healthier when you eat these cookies. So I will, at this point now in my life, after I just did this awful diet, I will set aside healthiness for taste. So I'm willing to bet, and and I know that you're coming from a place here, Brian, where you're trying to help everyone out. Yeah. But I, but I think I would be willing to bet that these cookies don't taste anywhere near as good as the Girl Scout cookies, and I would be willing to bet that's why they're less calories. Because the more calories in a cookie, the better the cookie's going to be. I mean, let's just, let's just be real there. That's so- what I thought too. That's that's what I always thought. And you know, I I knew we were going to talk about Girl Scout cookies a little bit today. And so I started looking up the calorie counts and everything because you had you had tweeted last night something about how many calories were in there. So I started looking it up, and I was like, "Dude, you actually save calories on these things." And I'm telling you, there's it's no difference. They're, trash. they're just it's as good. They're trash. No, dude, it's because they're trash. Look, I'm it's telling you, trash. Adam, right now, if I laid, if I laid, look, if I trash. listen to it's me right now, hey, buddy, listen, if I put both of those right in front of you. You didn't know which one was which. If, if No packaging or anything like that, just maybe on a plate, you would not be able to tell the difference between the two. Not at all. You wouldn't be able no. to do it. I guarantee you I would. I, I guarantee you you wouldn't. You Monday may get f- lucky. You know, I, I you may get lucky and guess one because it's a 50-50 shot, let's be honest. But across the board with the Samoa, the Thin Mints, and the Tagalongs, uh, you wouldn't get them all right. Guaranteed. 
Here's what I need. Here's what I need us to do. At five o'clock on Monday, we're doing a blind taste test. You're bringing your Aldi cookies. I'll bring my Girl Scout cookies, and we'll get this shiz down. And I guarantee you that I can taste the difference between a Girl Scout cookie and one of your crappy low calorie garbage cookies. I am, do not call them low calorie. They're they're smaller lower, calorie. Lower calorie. Lower calorie. Yes, but they're. What do you exact. want to put on the line here? Look, and what I do don't even to... think there's any child labor involved in these cookies either. So that's like a whole nother bonus. What do you want to bet? It's, it's, it's basically, it's March Madness. I'm okay with child labor at this time of the year. <laughs> what, what do you want to put on the line? What do you want to bet? And oh, what, what do we want to do for this contest? Because I'm, I'm not going to get, if I ate 100 cookies, I'm not going to get all 100 right. So if we do 10 cookies, I'm probably not going to get all 10 right. Just because, you know, I might have some coconut stuck in my in my craw a little right. bit. and yeah. if, you, if you eat a Girl Scout cookie first, maybe the next cookie tastes a little bit better. So uh, I think we need to make an accuracy threshold. And if I go over the accuracy, accuracy threshold, then we have some sort of bet on that. Well, right off the bat, I think we might need a palate cleanser in the studio, maybe some That's water true. or something, you know, where... I think a, a, a gherkin pickle. There you go. We'll throw up some pickle in here. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, but I don't we'll know what you want to bet. Good. I'm a little, I'm a little shy right now because I don't want to see you get plucked or poked anymore. I mean, you've bled <laughs> enough for this show, honestly. Um, as far, I mean, I guess we could take suggestions from the listeners or or from our producing staff and, and see what they can come up with. But I think there should be a bet on the line because I really, honestly, do think that these cookies. And I've tried it, Adam. I've tried it, buddy. These things are exact. I couldn't tell the difference myself. You, you never see. I'll call BS on that. You never sat there and opened a case of Samoas and then opened the uh, Aldi Oas. I mean, you ne- that never happened. That I've, was never d- a thing. I've done it with the tagalongs, not with the Samoas, but with the Not-a-bye tagalongs. That. I have done it. Fraud. Now with the You're... tagalongs, I'll add that there's a little bit of a visual difference inside the cookie that you won't know until you bite into it. Well, I'm going to have to wear the blindfold. Just a tiny bit of visual difference, but the other ones, you wouldn't even know, man. I'll wear a blindfold. I think it needs to be a blind test. Works for me. It's down. Five o'clock on Monday? Five o'clock on Monday. Let's do a blind taste uh, test for the Girl Scout cookies. I'm getting fat Monday, 5 o'clock here on the Crowley Show. Braden tweets, Samoas have coconut. That's a fruit. It's healthy. People survive on desert islands with just coconuts. Trust me, I watch Castaway. Uh, we need Wilson. <laughs> yeah, we need Wilson to call in at 412-922-2874. haven't heard from him since Steelers season. Here's the thing about coconut, though. It's very high calorically. Now, it's a good fat. And, in fact, I was actually allowed to eat coconut during the diet because it is one of those good fats. But mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why Samoas are so high in coconut. And now it, it, it leads me to question the validity of these oldie cookies. I, I bet you it's not coconut involved. I'm telling you it is. You get the same stuff stuck between your teeth. You get the same aftertaste. It's all there, <laughs> it's, buddy. It's fucking Oh, oh, careful there. Yeah, I was was really close. close You can get away with faux canut, right? Uh, Callum, what did I say we were going to talk about? Hockey? You should probably just hit the break. We'll talk about hockey next to the Crowley Show.